Brother Maurice, come on up and kind of give us the who, what, when, where, and we'll go ahead. You may be seated. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, I kind of touched on this on Sunday, um, and, and what brought this about was um, the Florida legislator passed HB7. Has anybody ever heard of HB7? And that's the Stop Woke Act. And <clears throat> when you think about it, why wouldn't you want to be woke, right? You know what I mean? It's like you think about Rip Van Winkle. He was asleep and missed all this stuff, you know. But you would want to be woke to know what's going on in your community, in, you know, in the nation. So you, you want to be woke. And uh, some of those things with the Stop Woke Act, uh, African-American studies, we want to stop teaching it in Florida. They're banning books that are uh, mainly about African-American history. And when you stop and think about it, Af African-American history is not African-American history, it's American history because, you know, we're part of what made the fabric of this country. And so um, <clears throat> what, what the uh, initiative, and I'll, let me look at my notes, I always forget her name. She's a pastor down in South Florida, Methodist pastor. Um, I was listening to, um, the Karen Hunter show on Urban View on uh, Sirius XM. And uh, I heard a caller call in and talk about the Faith in Florida initiative. And Karen Hunter was like, hey, I need to get this lady on so she can, so she can uh, you know, talk about the initiative that she started in Florida. And uh, they, they put her on and I listened to it and then Candace, kind of sent an email out was like, hey, we got to get this going in the church. So um, <clears throat> uh, the, the pastor is uh, Robin Th Robin <clears throat> Rhonda Thomas, and she's the executive director of this Faith in Florida. And, and what that is, is they ask all clergy, not black clergy, but all clergy in the state of Florida to take the pledge to combat HB7 and teach their congregations black history. And you can teach it, you can pledge to teach it every day, once a month, once a quarter, you know, but pledge to teach it. And I know I already, I, I didn't include you and didn't even ask you about it. So, so uh, what does that mean for us, right? So. The plan is they provide you with a toolkit, and this toolkit is extensive. It talks about Reconstruction, the Civil War, Civil Rights, the Black Panthers, the Divine Nine, HBCUs, uh, anything that's a part of our culture that we need to make sure carries on to the next generation. And her, her premise was back in the Civil Rights Movement, the place that was the forefront of that was the church. You know, there was a reason they were bombing black churches in the 60s, because that was our information center. You know, so <clears throat> I know uh, back in, uh, in my neighborhood, which was, we talked about on Sunday, which was Black Wall Street, Martin Luther King Jr., one of his southern 
uh, basis was the church in our community. Uh, I wasn't living at that time, you know, I'm a 70s baby, but, you know, that shows you the connection to the church and how these things happen. And then when you look at it from a how we're doing as people standpoint, it, 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 it ties into the legislation, you know what I mean? So as we focus on our history, yes. The first freed black slaves were right here in St. Augustine. So for them to want to take and take us back before anybody was free, they were free in St. Augustine, right here in Florida. So that was just crazy how all the legislation just kind of have come full circle. So just for to do our ancestors proud on that, we need to step up. Yeah. Right. And <clears throat> I know that in like in, in my neighborhood the churches were the base for to stop, you know, gerrymandering and redlining and redistricting and making sure we weren't a food desert, which we were a food desert, you know, couldn't get a good <clears throat> fresh groceries and all that type of thing. So us instilling this in our kids and <clears throat> our congregation will help us combat that from a legislator standpoint. And so <clears throat> By taking, we took, by striving, taking that pledge, we're pledging to make sure that there's information for our kids in the youth center, the teen center. Uh, we'll use the social action committee to, uh, you know, help with voting like we have been doing, but to, you know, make sure that the kids understand why we're doing it and how we're doing it. So that's kind of what, what we're thinking about. And I'm not a black history teacher. I just happen to love black history. Uh, I know some of you may not be teachers, but if, if, there's, if there are things that you know about black history that you want to share, we're willing to listen because we want this to be a whole church effort to make sure that the next generation uh, passes on this, this same history that we all video, maybe two to three minutes long, that talks about some event in black history. You know what I mean? Like I was listening uh, this morning on the radio uh, about the Dred Scott case, and I was like, man, this is interesting. You know, and I, <clears throat> I didn't know all of that about Dred Scott, but that, those are the kind of things that, you know,
church has already taken the pledge. Oh, okay, okay. But the toolkit is on faithinflorida.org, and you can go on there and watch videos and read. Uh, there's lessons to teach. There's all kinds of things that Pastor Thomas has already put into this website for for uh, congregations to share with other people. So, um, and and you know, like we got uh, <clears throat> like uh, Yolanda upstairs and Earlene Bess and uh, Miss Shirley, uh, Miss uh, take the pictures, Miss uh, Jean Johnson. All those Jackson. women, <clears throat> Jackson, I'm sorry, Jean Jackson, you know, they specialize in this. So we have a wealth of knowledge here at the church where we can lean on to, to make sure that we're giving information to keep this in front of our kids. Because, I mean, there's books that we have been reading in school for years that are being taken out because of this, uh, you know, anti-woke bill that has been passed. And, and by no means am I... There's no political agenda. It's just, to me, getting the history in front of people and making sure that we know we come from kings and queens and we're royalty and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I just want to make sure that 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 does not get lost on us. Okay. And any other questions? Uh, Faith in Florida, and it's at faithinflorida.org. Yes, ma'am. Oh, um, so is it like we're teaching courses or like on Sundays, kind of educational-wise? Are we going to be able to like basically like participate and help getting information out about African-American history? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the plan. That's the plan right now, and, and the 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 core group we haven't had a meeting yet to 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 other than how we're going to roll it out on sundays to make sure that we are constantly putting something in front of you on how we want to do that and how we want to implement it in um in children's church in the teen center but i already have some ideas like i have a <clears throat> i have this awesome awesome story that i read every year to rgd and it's called a life without black people and I really want the kids to do a play and act that out while somebody's reading it. Because it'll blow your mind how many things were invented by African Americans that you did not even know about. And, and the basis of this play is basically that, <clears throat> or the story is there were these two white guys that wanted to wish African Americans away. And when they did it, they lived in a world where they saw all these things that they needed to survive did not exist because African-Americans created it. So those are the types of things that I want to make sure that we, we put into everybody's hearing and in their visuals so they know that, you know, our people built pyramids and, you know, the Sphinx and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and like I said, I'm not a history teacher. I'm just a person who loves history who comes from history. So it just uh, means a lot to me. So that's kind of where this kind of is. Any other questions? Yeah. Brother Jimmy, yeah, get a mic. Yeah. 
Thank you. My question is, how does this England uh, segregate, might I say, the races? Are this putting us in a different category all by ourselves because history is our history and 10 years down the road, our children still won't have uh, intermingled with the current race. How do we make that come together? How do we make the races come together for the future generations? Um, I mean, I may not be the first person to answer that or have the answer to that, but to me, I think when you know where you come from, you know who you are, and nobody can't tell you who you're not. And I mean, it's, it's a possible dream because well, I mean, I do it every day at work. You know, I'm in leadership at work and nobody looks like me, but I'm able to intermingle and still be the person that I am and who I believe I am. So I think that, you know, that just comes with loving God and loving people. I mean, me personally, my whole premise, I live on love. And I feel like if I love, I'm gonna never hate somebody. And so if I never hate somebody, then I'm never gonna harm anybody. And that's just how I, I go about my day. And I, you know, and that's, <clears throat> if you know me in this church, you know I love to do community service and I love everybody. I don't, I don't have any enemies. And that's, those are my two premises. Take care of the least of these and love everybody. And so that's what I do. And I think that if we do that, while still honoring our history, it's easy to co-mingle with anybody. Yeah, and uh, you know, going back to just my personal, you know, I, I'm, I was a part of that generation where they forced uh, integration. You know, in my senior year, they closed our schools so that we could go and integrate uh, into the other school because it was during that time of the civil rights movement they wanted say we weren't getting good education in the school that we were in. And, um, and as I looked at that, uh, and I look back at it now, and I look up the word integrate, that is not what the intent was when they closed our school. What they wanted to do, they wanted us to assimilate into the culture of the school that we was going to. In other words, to lose our identity of who we were and become a part of that group for integration means you take two things together and you get something entirely new. And so, so therefore what I found out through that is that it was a systematic way where we, when we got to those schools, we didn't talk about black history. We didn't have that time of the month where we did this little one or two days and that was it. And so a lot of things I feel like our children don't get today now, especially what they're doing here in the state of Florida and I think it's important. And I'm gonna always use this example because the evidence is there. There's a reason that the Jews don't let folk forget their history. There's a reason for that. That ain't no accident. You know, it's, you can go back and trace their history in the Bible. We can also, also trace how they do things in culture. You, you say one thing about the Holocaust, and somebody gonna say something. They ain't gonna just sit down and say, the Holocaust don't exist. If you make that statement out in public on your government job, or you just accidentally say that, you chances are you won't have a job. You just accidentally said that. And so what I'm saying, I'm trying to say, it, it, that's because they see the value of their history and they see the value of what they went through during that period. And they're not gonna let anybody forget the suffering that they went through 
during the Holocaust when all those millions of Jews got killed. And we should do the same thing when it comes to Israel. We shouldn't whitewash all the people that drowned on boats coming over here and got killed and got separated from their families and, and all the stuff and the pain and, and anguish that it caused our whole race. And because of that, I think that's why a lot of us don't like each other and don't like ourselves because it's been put in our head to think less than of one another. And so we, get, we can't let that be perpetuated in our children. And that don't mean we don't love everybody. We don't love Jesus. And when, I, when we finish, you know, we're going to show you the, the reason some of the young people don't really buy into Christianity now is because they have been told by other people who don't know the Bible that the Bible is designed to enslave them. The Bible is designed to make them feel inferior, to believe they're inferior. We are not depicted in the Bible. But that's not true. But if you have not been educated on the culture and what was going on in the Bible and the people who they were, then what we have is a Eurocentric viewpoint of the Bible instead of an Afrocentric viewpoint of the Bible. So therefore, all our images and things that we come from use come from images. And we have been okay with that. We don't care. And so when you ask a question, I was just Googling something. What was the origin of the, the picture of Jesus when Michelangelo came up with that and, and where he came from? It, this was a guy that was just sitting around an artist. And some, some uh, classes say the person that he used to portray that was somebody that was in prison. And he painted that. And when he painted that and put it in the European system, that became the image. And then in 19 or 1840-something, there was another image created that somebody came up with. And that image showed up in all of our houses, show up in a lot of our churches. And we accept that. And at, at, in my mindset, the Bible said we should never have any images of you. So that's why you don't see no pictures of Jesus here in the church. Because all the pictures that we find of him, he don't look like us. And so if Pastor Bolden wants to get bold enough and say, we're going to create our own image of Jesus and believe that this is what he would look like if he was representing our people and pay to him, some of our members would pass out because they couldn't bear the thought of looking at a Jesus that looked like them because they have been conditioned to see him looking at somebody. When in reality, that picture that we have been conditioned about is not necessarily true. But we have accepted that and passed it on down. And so the Bible is full of places. So, so what I'm going to do, and I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again. I'm going to start just where they say we start at, with black ham. The one they say was cursed. And that's why we all look like we look, because the black race was cursed. And I got this out of a Bible. I didn't get this out of some book. I got this out of a Schofield Bible when I first got saved and started teaching and learning the Bible. In that Bible, that's how they depicted us, as cursed because of, of Ham. And the curse that Noah put on his son, and the curse was really on Canaan, not Ham. And so I just decided that one day I'm going to just follow black ham kids through the Bible and see whether they show up and make sure that when they show up, we know that where they come from. And so I think that's important because people need to know that God is not a respecter of person. So everybody else don't have a problem telling us, well, it shouldn't matter. Well, if it don't matter, why y'all pay Jesus look like you? 
if it don't matter. If it's just, it just God loves everybody. And the Bible very seldom talks about color when it talks about people. It talks about more so people ideological beliefs, more so than the color people's skin. So that color thing was man-made. And I believe it was man-made for a reason. So we need to educate our kids, and the church ought to be the place to do that. Our churches used to be the forefront of all these things, but for so often we got sidetracked when we started doing okay, and we forgot about it, and then now the schools don't want to teach it anymore. Then our kids going to come up thinking, you know, that they don't know how vital their ancestors were to where we are as a nation. And, and I think that uh, we have an obligation to do that. And we're going to come up with a systematic way to do it and a nice way to do it. And like Maurice said, it ain't designed to put nobody down. But at the same time, I ain't going to make our kids feel less than who they really are. There's more to us in the Bible than the one guy that they picked to carry Jesus' cross. And for all these years, when we looked at that, we saw that as a natural thing, not realizing the importance of him carrying that cross and what it did. We was depicted to us like he was a slave just pulled out to go and carry Jesus' cross. But that ain't the case. But when Hollywood depict that, they make it look like he was this because it's designed to keep you thinking that the only thing that you can do is serve other people in that capacity. And I look at it just the opposite. Out of all those folks there, why did God pick that little black guy and say, you carry the cross so the salvation can be fulfilled? Give you a whole different perspective now when you look at that depicted on, in the movies, and you can say, wow, that guy wasn't just a slave. And so, so I think it's important to, to know things like that, what the Bible say about the Ethiopian that came over and got the word and got saved and went back to Africa with the word. And when you understand the Bible, to understand when the Bible talk about Cush, most folks don't even know that. So it's designed to say, why would you say Cush and keep saying Cush when Cush is really Ethi? So when you know those type of things, it gives you a whole different perspective, even about the Bible that we read and that we study. Not that I look for that, but I want to be knowledgeable of it and know that our kids can be knowledgeable of it. And, and, and like Maurice said, love is still love, but at the same time, when somebody say, hey, you're not in there, then we need to be able to tell those people that we are in there. It's just that we have allowed people to diminish our role in the Bible. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's why I was excited when they started talking about black history, because to me, it can be tied right to biblical history also. You know, uh, again, I get on my soapbox because I'm passionate about this because that was a systematic approach to de-Africanize the Bible. And that's why the argument is always coming up. Where is the Garden of Eden? Why is that argument there? When most of the biblical accounts of it were placed somewhere in Africa. But nobody want to accept that. We want to believe that. And so... When you, when you understand and just trace the Bible and just trace the language, the, the land masses that they was talking about, it's a clear picture that they paint. But if you don't know those type things, then people give you, make you think that Egypt is no longer part of Africa. Because most of the time when you see Egyptians on television, they, mother, they always find the fair-skinned one 
or the Ethiopians, which was Cushites. And so I think all that is important. I think it's important for our kids to know that Moses married an Ethiopian, a Cushite. And his brother and sister got mad at him. And God gave her leprosy. Well, that don't matter. That don't matter. Yes, it does. It does matter where people come from, their origin. But God is not a respecter of person. He, he, Jesus died for every person, all, all blood, all creeds, all color, everything. But at the same time, I'm wise enough to know that we have to combat those people who are saying, I'm talking about people in our own race who are saying that why should your children come to church and learn about a God that don't love them? They need to go to a religion that is more favorable to them than Christianity. And that's a lie. But if you don't know that, and your kids won't know that, if you can't defend the truth of the Bible and do that. So that's kind of my soapbox spill on that, but, uh, you know, uh, I think it's something that uh, every now and then just needs to be addressed and talked about. Amen. Any questions? Any questions? Any comments? Any comments? Get a, get a mic. George might don't preach any books in the Bible by by blacks. I, I don't listen to her, so I don't. I, you know, now uh, I don't know what she preached. So she that may be true. That may be. I don't know what she preached. I know what a lot of other preach people don't preach. But like I say, I don't follow. You know, people. But I do critique people who preach from the word when I know that okay, they're saying some things that's not right or it's kind of tainted and things of that nature. Like I say. My, I go back to say, and I, the things I'm talking about, I learned out of a Bible. You know, when I got saved and, and, and got serious about the word, we were told that the best Bible, the Bible was Schofield. And I don't know if some of y'all may not even know nothing about study Bibles. You got to go get you a Schofield study Bible. That is the best Bible out there. So I've been running and got me one. And I, I read it, but I never read the front of it. I just read the Bible part of it. I didn't read some of the commentary that was in the front of the book too much later. And when I read that, I said, man, God, I can't believe that this is the mindset that this guy got about Ham. You know, and, and that Hamanic curse thing. Man, this is the mindset that guys, those guys got. Then I can see why people, certain people are hated all over the world. If they've been reading that out of the front of a Bible. And so a lot of us don't read the front of the Bible. We just go ahead and read the Bible and don't know the mindset of the people who wrote that Bible. So now I won't even read the Schofield Bible. Just because of that. Now he got some good notes in there about other things, but he wrong on, on the hematic curse part and that, that's why we black because of the curse. But if you didn't drill that in the head of so many people, God, don't let me get on my soapbox. And then you use language to make everything black bad. Then you can systematically make anybody think that anything that's black is. And it's all a mind game. 
All how people can frame things with their words and, and how they say things that people's minds are being changed. They're being poisoned because they just don't know the truth. I say this all the time. Most of you are already brainwashed. If I was to bring you two cakes in here right now, one chocolate and one vanilla, white, and I was to say that the white one is a devil food cake, all of y'all in here will flip out because you have been conditioned that the white cake is the angel food cake and the chocolate cake is a devil food. It's just chocolate cake, but somebody had to put devil food cake on it. And so when you start putting images out there and equate anything dark with the devil, the Bible never talks about black and white all the time. The Bible talks about darkness when it comes to sin. But people have taken that and twisted it to do different things with it. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to cause some you know, some conversation, not in church, but the intent is not to turn Sunday serve when we talk about Jesus to Black History Month. You know, I ain't going to get radical and come in and create me a black Jesus and put him up there and all y'all pass out of here. You know, well, I did, did cross my mind one time. Maybe I ought to just say, you know, God created man in his image, and then man turned around and created God in his image. And that's why everybody got these different pictures because they was creating it in their image. But if I did that, I think some of my members just pass out because y'all can handle that. But if I brought Michelangelo's Jesus in here and put it up there, nobody would say nothing. Why? Because you've been engineered to accept that. And you do. When really the Bible talks about no image in the soul. Just my take. Any questions? Any comments? And I'm a firm believer that. Uh, oh, I got a hand. Okay, I'm sorry, brother Mike. Yeah, what I wanted to say is uh, that's a very good thing. What brother Morris is doing and all the people when um, the governor of Florida tried to take out all these history, black history. Just a new awakening, which means things going to backfire. We call you people to wake up now and uh, have a revolution. Not revolution to fight, not guns, but wake up to history and find out where it comes from. Amen. Amen. Major, got a mic. Yeah, Maurice, you talked a little bit about um, the voting piece. Is there anything else that we can do, like locally? Because uh, typically we vote you know, for president or vice president. So how would we know um, what the local elections are about and who's the best person for like school superintendent and those type things? Um, well, probably for the last four years I've been even local elections. I've been um, creating a document that's driving to the polls. And in there, in that document, I would have, uh, say it's Dr. Chambers, what his, if he running for school board or superintendent, 
what his platform is, where his website is, um, what he believes. Uh, I have what his challenger believes, what the other challenger believes. And I've been doing that uh, maybe, maybe since 2016 here. And um, judges, uh, uh, Florida legislators, state legislators, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a lot of work. But I really want people to be educated about that process. And uh, so I don't mind doing it. And uh, I got the, the whole premise. Like I said, I listen to Urban View all the time <laughs> on Sirius XM. And one of the things uh, the brother said is uh, you preach voter education, voter uh, registration, and then voter participation. And so I've reached out to the NAACP. I even tried to uh, get us registered to register people to vote, but there are some, <clears throat> there are some legal implications, like if, if things happen or if somebody does something that could fall back on the church. So it's easier to go through the NAACP, but you get the voter education, voter registration, then the voter participation, and that's what we do with striving to the polls. And, and that information that's gathered is for you to read it and then figure out, you know, what things you can, you can deal with from each candidate, and you can go out and further look for information. And um, my hope is that we would be 100% registered vote, everybody of voting age in this church. And really, what my dream is, is like, we all show up at the polls together and go vote because the, with our striving shirts on and all that good stuff, because it sends a message that we have political power. And one of the things that when it comes to voting, we all get hyped up about voting for the executive branch, the governors, the presidents, the mayors, and they are not the ones who push the needle. It's your local legislators, your state legislators, the Senate and the Congress. So those are the people that we need to vote for because when we see that Joe Biden or Barack Obama or somebody can't get something passed that we feel needs to be passed, Usually, all he is waiting, that person is waiting to do is to sign, the, sign the, the thing in the law. It's the legislators that we always fail to vote for. And all the voting improprieties and all those things that happened with the last election, if we put the right people in the local offices and the right people in the state offices, then those things would never happen. But when we look out, we never show up. Like, in Okaloosa County, I think the last time I looked, there are maybe 25,000 registered Democrats. There's uh, over 100,000 uh, registered Republicans, and then maybe like 50,000 registered, I mean, independents. And you know, independents can't vote in the primaries and all that good stuff or whatever. But when you look at the percentage of people who voted, if the black community had just shown up, because they're showing up at the same rate, even though they have more people. But if we had just shown up, then the people who support the things that we want to happen would be in office. So, so that's kind of my prayer for this whole thing. It's like, 
Because once you get self-educated, you'll understand that, hey, my community that I showed y'all, that wasn't an accident. Because uh, after the video shown, people were like, hey, man, that happened in my community too. Because it was systematic, eminent domain. Run a highway through somebody's community and kill it. You know? And it's like, you know, Major, I always tell you I come from the hood, but I really don't, because it wasn't the hood. It was utopia for black people. We had our own hospital, we had our own dentist office, our own grocery store, we had everything, and that money circulated in the community, and we continued and continued to thrive and, and build wealth, generational wealth. And they saw that right through it. And, and that's kind of what happens when we don't know the history that we, that we come from and, and the, the type of people that have been produced uh, that look like us. So, um, so I think it all ties in together and that will be a part of the initiative. I plan to get the NAACP in here. We, we used to do it before COVID. We have voter registration, come in and get people registered. And if you got 16 year olds, they can, they can be registered to vote. They can't vote until they turn 18, but if their birthday falls, you know, because you have a cutoff date to register for an election. So let's say the cutoff date is August, but their birthday is in September. The election is in November. They're already registered, so they can, but they can vote in November. So those are the things that we're not educated about that I think we, we need to be educated about and just educating them where they come from and that there's more people than Rosa Parks and you know Frederick Douglass, I think that goes a long way. And yeah, and can I go back to something else you said, Maurice, plus about local things? You know, uh, here, I don't know what it's like out in Navarre and uh, Crestview, but I know locally here in uh, uh, Fort Walton Beach, you know, and like Maurice is saying, a lot of time we focus on national uh, elections and things like that, and we rally to go for that, but we don't vote for the city council who make all the decisions for this city. And because our church sit right here in the city of Fort Walton Beach, we want to have a say-so in what they do and when they decide they're going to do certain things in this city. But most of you all live in other cities. So even though we sit right here and we come on all our rules for the city, because you live in Navarre, Crestview, and all that, you can't vote. But we have members in here who are members uh, that live in the city of Fort Walton Beach. And when these are local elections, whether it's Crestview, Niceville, Fort Walton Beach, uh, 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 or out in Navarre, most of the time, those elections don't have no more than about 1,200 folks voting. 1,200 folks local election. And, and, and a lot of times, people win with three, four, five, six, seven hundred is almost a guarantee. So what I'm trying to say is that if we just participate in the local election where really the decisions are made that impact us the most is right here locally. Everybody want to vote nationally, but locally is where things change that, that really impact you every day. And, and man, if you could do that, you can have a voice. And, and, and we got to want to have a spiritual voice, but man, you also want to have a voice in the community that is backed up by that spirit that people listen to you when you talk. And, you know, they, when they say so, when you go down and talk to the mayor, you go down and talk to one of the councilmen, they know that you got people. Because the first thing them guys do, and this one's supposed to be about voting, but since we're educating you, the first thing they do as politicians, they pull the register of the roster of voters. They pay for that. They, they have to pay their 
county election officials. So they say first they pay a thousand dollars, and with that thousand dollars, they can get the name of everybody and what party they in and whether or not they voted. So when you walk in an office, you got something you want to talk to your commissioner about and all that. You're gonna look down and say, "Man, Major ain't voted in five years." I'm gonna listen to you, but when you walk out the door. You don't vote. The people that get my ear, the people that vote. And sad, but that's just the way politics, politics is. And because we don't get in that game, and I know that in religion, let me say this, there are some religions that believe that you should not be affiliated with government at all. So there are some religious faiths that don't vote, don't participate in government at all. And that's okay if that's what they believe, you know. But there's still some same religion that don't believe in blood transfusion. And so, you know, if you die and you need a blood transfusion, you either got a choice. You believe you need it and get it done, or if you say your religion says you ain't supposed to get it, and you die. And people have died all because of their belief system. And so what I'm trying to say, I believe in blood transfusion. But if you have religious faith and don't believe you ought to vote, man, I, I ain't going to try to force you to vote and force you to be involved in that. That's what your faith called for you to do then you live by your faith. And so I think that's why it's important for every now and then for us to have these uh, things. And a lot of you, there are some of you my age and, and older, but I remember the little boy I didn't understand when my granddad and them used to go out, and they used to call them mass meetings. And we didn't know what they were. All we know is just a bunch of folk go to church and they have a meeting. But now that I'm older, because I wasn't about 10 years old when they was doing that, and now that I'm older and I understand it, I knew what granddaddy then was doing, trying to get people registered to vote and take them to the polls and all that to deal with some of that stuff. And so um, I wish I had been paying more attention then, but back then, you know, it just didn't matter that much because I didn't understand the impact of it. But now that I'm older, I want to make sure that young people are educated and what they do with it is on them. But I do think, and I'm, I'm adamant that we got to take a page out of the Jewish playbook when it comes to our history. I mean, we, we got to do that. And I think the church ought to be on the leading edge of that if we can do that so that our kids will be educated. If the Jews can do it and God ain't mad at them, he ain't going to be mad at you. Amen. I know it don't matter. Yes, it does matter. It does matter. If it didn't matter, everybody wouldn't be doing it. Everybody else wouldn't be doing it. It does matter. And so we just want to give our kids a benefit. And this wouldn't even be an issue if I don't even know why this fight had to come in a state like Florida, man. Why would that even be an issue? And since Maurice remember, remember, uh, understand that, this, this woke thing, when you look up woke, that had nothing to do with politics from black radio announcers and all of them was talking about woke. It was talking about people who were not aware of what was going on around them in their world and their community. Had nothing to do with that. But what happens is people co-opt that and tie it to other things that had nothing to do with what the original woke thing was about. And so now it has been meshed with all the other political agendas out there, and it was easy now to take a hit at it when you say we're gonna tie, you know, uh, what was that critical race theory to woke? We're gonna tie this movement to woke, we're gonna tie that movement to woke. And then now you start hating woke and don't even understand what woke was originally about. It was never designed to be all those things, but some things get co-opted with it, and then 
when you paint it with a broad brush, it can make people who, don't, who are ignorant start hating something that was designed to make them aware of what was going on around them because they just don't know. I know there, it's like a fine you get if you register somebody in with that new bill that actually came out and stuff like that where we can, you know, we get that fine. Um, what we've been doing, because I'm in the chapter in Pensacola uh, with the Sigmas, is we do uh, what's called voter verification instead mm -hmm. to kind of get around that. So it, it takes some of that, uh, what's it called, legal troubles off of us, mm -hmm. but at least people can see if they're already registered to vote, and then if they want to from there, they can go in and register to vote from there. Um, it's a way we can kind of maybe do a, like a workaround for it. We use like a QR code where they can go to the website and check. Um, we've been doing that in Escambia County over the last few months. So that's something that we could try to do up in Okaloosa. People around here, I don't know. Just like a little suggestion maybe. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Any, any other comments? Any other comments? One other thing, you know, I, a little tool that I got in my office and I would, you know, I think it's a good, Years ago when I got it, I didn't know it was a good invest, investment. But this is the, what, I, what is called the Original African Heritage Study Bible. And uh, you know, when I started reading this, it just opened my eyes up to how scholars went back and traced some things back and just show you the Bible from a different, same King James or New King James, the wording there is different. It's just that they put pictures in there against some of those words to open your eyes up and say, okay, if that person may have been this and that and the other, or they got language in there that let you know what Cush was and what it relate to so that when you read Cush, you don't know, I'm just reading the word and I have no clue where Cush is. And you know, it's a, it's a sad thing that now a lot of our kids don't even know, what is it, where you study the word, globe, geology, whichever one of them G's, that you, where you know all the, location of continents and all that. Geography. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people can read, and geography is important because when you can trace certain places, you can see just by looking at a world map, you can almost see how the plates where you look at Africa and Israel and all that, you can almost see that at one time that landmass may have all been one big landmass. And certain things happen with the shifting of the of the earth and, and the plates moving around and broke up something, but you can almost see that. So some of these things that it would have been a short journey to go from Ethiopia to Israel, or modern day Israel, but it was called Canaan back then. It would have been a short journey. So we look at it and don't know that is not a real stretch when you say they had to go this far to that far. And so it, it's just a, a different perspective and it's written from an Afrocentric viewpoint versus a Eurocentric viewpoint. And so if you want one, I feel so strong about this, I will invest in you. If you want one, I'll make sure you get one. We had a bookstore to order some, and, and I'll pay for them. You ain't even got to buy them. I'll pay for them. Uh, you can, I had mine for years now, but you can go online and just type in African-American study Bible, and there are different people that make them now. But early on, this was one of the few places that did it, but now there are other people. So I always go back to that source there because I found it to be you know, very insightful. Okay, just let me know. Just let me know. Just give me a name, and I'll have Sister Kim to order some, and, and I'll give them to you.
Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to be shocked now. They look like you. <laughs> you may be surprised that there are more people in the Bible than little Simeon that took the cross that look like you. You're going to be shocked when you see some of them disciples and what they, what they believe they look like. So. But it's the Bible, so if you can't handle the pictures, just deal with the words. Amen. Amen. Pastor, can you name that Bible for people online? Yeah, yeah. It's, this one is just called the Original African Heritage Study Bible. Uh, and it's uh, King James. Let me see. They got the name of the guys who put this together. Right here in the front. Published by James Winston. And the, the, the editor of this was a guy by the ne name of the Reverend Cain uh, Hope Felder, PhD, University of Harvard or something like that. But if you just type in and Google on, on any of those uh, bookstores that you can go online, African American Heritage Study Bible, there's a lot different ones out there. Always look at the one with the Kenty cloth look, you know, and that's kind of you do it. If I had to buy it again, I'd probably see if they got it in the New King James versus the Old King James. A version now, and they may even have a new living translation. But when I got this one, this was the only translation that they had, and it was the original King James. And uh, and so, get it on Amazon. How much do y'all on Amazon? About forty some dollars. So y'all gonna hit me up for fifty bucks. But I'm investing now. If I'm buying, you better read it. And so, when, when, so in February, when I, if I do a series based on this, this book right here, I don't want you to say, I got my Bible pass. I got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's a good investment. And I, I, don't get me wrong. I got many Bibles back there. I mean, you name it, I probably got about 10 or 12 Bibles back there. So this is not the only Bible that I got. But every now and then, I will look at it to see what a different perspective looked like when it comes to different people in the Bible and different places in the Bible, just to get another viewpoint. Okay? Any question for Brother Maurice? Again, any question for him? Question? So stand by and be ready to look for this starting in January. You know, again, the intent is just to add a little clip at the end of service, and we're going to figure out a way that we can educate our kids maybe before they start their class up there. We're not changing any of their curriculum. They're going to still be taught the curriculum they got. We're just going to give them about five or ten minutes of this and then uh, the rest of the stuff that we already, already you know, order for them as far as their uh, Christian curriculum is concerned. Okay? All right.